Good morning, Brother John. Good morning, Jerry. Hey, ooh, a little cool. We're cool. Well, I know how cold, cold it is here because I'm in Chicago with you. I'm sitting right next to you. Yes. So happy to have you visiting. Oh, it's great. And hey, it is cold. It's 30 degrees. 30 degrees, and when it's cold like that, you have to have the proper clothing on. I mean, and it's like, well, what's I, a, where's I a good place s- to start? I can see what you have on, and you look yeah. marvelous. It feels pretty good. It's warm, too. Yes. I can vouch for that. I've right. got the original. You've got uh, the number blue two. number two. Blue number two. And uh, we're looking good. We're feeling warm. Uh, we're over here in the Gold Coast hanging out, doing a podcast and we got some cool stuff to talk about i think we've got three excellent topics uh we're gonna uh, do our typical sports movies and fake news and since the basketball season just started up a couple weeks ago uh we felt that on the sports side of it we could look at basketball and then move right into a basketball movie yeah so that works out pretty well and looking at things that have happened recently i noticed that bobby knight uh, has been in the news the last week or two with uh, with the interviews that he's done. And that kind of piqued my interest, plus the fact that I noticed that Indiana University, where he used to coach, lost their home opener to Indiana State 90-69, to the second largest uh, lopsided uh, loss they've ever had for a home opener. Yeah. So I put all these pieces together and said, let's talk about Bobby. I'm sure Bobby is... Uh, <laughs> kind of in gleeful mode right now since he got fired by IU based on that, that loss. But uh, what what happened was a couple of weeks ago, ESPN started it by put it, having an interview with him. And we, we know how outspoken he can be. So if he interviews, he's probably going to be uh, breaking news sports-wise. Right. And sure enough, he didn't disappoint anybody. <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, he, he was asked... Uh, uh, mentioned somebody mentioned to him that uh, several of the people that fired him had uh, had passed away, and he says, "Well, I wish they were all dead." Wow, and uh, that's a little harsh. That, yeah, <laughs> that's real harsh. I mean, <laughs> but it's just typical. It's typical Bobby Knight. Yeah, uh, I mean, this guy's famous for all kinds of stuff: throwing chairs, having uh, fits, and uh, yanking. You know, pulling uh, his. Uh, his basketball players off the bench, on the bench, whatever. By their jerseys. Yeah. And Joe Buck, I interviewed him uh, just recently, and he voiced it a little milder, but also had a, had a few other comments in, in terms of recruiting. And I thought he put uh, UCLA, which back in the 60s had a dynasty program with John Wooden, kind of put USC, UCLA under the, under the bus by saying that they used a pretty slick guy to do the recruiting for him. Mm. So... Felt, well, you know, as we take a look at this, let's kind of look a little bit at Bobby's background. Not a lot, but just enough to get a yeah. taste of it. So we, those who don't know much about him can learn. Um, you know, Bobby started as a high school basketball player uh, in Ohio. Actually was, you know, your typical uh, star of the high school team. But then got a rude awakening when he went to Ohio State in the early 60s because Ohio State had a very good team. And he rode the bench for four years. Uh, during that time, it, uh, Ohio State did win an NCAA championship. And one of the things I thought was interesting about him was he was very cocky as a player. And one time he got in uh, when he's playing for Ohio State. And as he scored a basket and he's going down the, uh, down the court, he hollers to the coach, you should have put me in earlier. And uh, <laughs> I can tell you right now, if Bobby Knight 
the player would have said that to Bobby Knight, the coach. I don't think the coach would exist right now to be able to, to because he would have killed him. <laughs> well, it sounds like it. So, uh, God, then, that guy's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and a hypocrite to boot. And then you see Bobby Knight has a sort of, uh, has a sort of uh, military style to him. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that he took his first coaching job in college after coaching a couple of years in high school with Army. I uh, coached at Army from 65 to 71. And uh, during that time, one of the things I couldn't quite figure out, it said he enlisted. Uh, I don't know if he, uh, hmm. how long he he was in, if in he went to basic training or whatever. Huh. But uh, apparently uh, he, he needed to enlist in order to get the job and, and have something. But he enlisted as a uh, as an EM. He wasn't an officer. Ah. So... Um, but then what he did is he moved on and took the job we, we know him for, and that is he took the job at Indiana University, coaching there from 1971 to 2000, and eventually got fired uh, by the university due to an altercation with a student on campus. And I think the reason he got fired is because everybody could see it. You know, he could be behind closed doors in a training training, and nobody could see all these shenanigans he's doing with his players and how he's verbally and yeah, physically yeah. Uh, pounding on them. And sure enough, what happened one day is he's crossing the campus and a, 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 a student just said, Hey, Knight, how's it going? And, oh, that's all what? it took. What? What did he do to him? Well, what, he, what happened was that Bobby Knight went over and said, Son, you will address your elders as sir or mister. And then he grabbed them as he did that. Oh, wow. Sure, there's the whole campus to see him doing it, and it was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. Oh, did the kid fight back? Oh no, 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 no! Oh. It was just a it was question that a, a smart ass kid, yeah. you know, not showing the proper respect to Bobby, wow. and that's that was enough. So he got fired, and from there he took a job for a few years at Texas Tech, from years 2000 to 2007. But through all that, uh, Army, mostly Indiana University, then on to Texas Tech, he accomplished quite a lot. Quite a lot. Mm. He uh, ended up winning 902 uh, games, the most games won by an NCAA basketball coach at that time. There's been a couple since then that have gone over that. But he held the record when he retired and had three NCAA championships, all with Indiana, mm. including the last team to go undefeated throughout the whole season is 1976 NCAA champ. Yeah, but how many of them had psychological damage? Well, I don't know. I, some of wow. these people, and yeah, you know, well, what their cure for their psychological damage, the players, was to become coaches like him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so you'll find that he does have a few alum out there. And uh, hopefully, I don't know if they learn good or bad from Bob. Yeah, I'm not sure those guys should have children. I don't know. <laughs> this could all go bad. But, you know, we've kind of touched on his controversy. Yeah. I mean, if you take a look at it, I, I'm, we could, uh, if, if you went to Wiki, you could get two pages of incidents uh, that he took place with him. But I'm going to just mention a couple. Yeah, hit the highlights. Yeah, he very outspoken, vocal, and physically. I think the one I remember the most is there was a tournament in the early 80s down in Puerto Rico, and he, he, did, he had uh, assault and battery on a, on a referee and was thrown in jail and uh, and basically escaped Puerto Rico and was not able and was eventually tried, you know, without him being there and was in, in absence. Yeah. In absence, and he was uh, sentenced to six months in jail. So, so he's that, got a warrant out for him. Yeah, <laughs> let's just say uh, Bobby's not going to any tournaments down there. Wow, in the near got future. a bench warrant on Bobby. Yes. 
bench warrant, a bench warmer. <laughs> Boy. So, uh, you know, as we take a look at him, I, I guess I, one of the things I kind of look at right now as we look back on Bobby Knight is what would happen today if Bobby Knight did some of those things? Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, uh, you know, as we take a look at some of the his well, he comments, could be he could be president for sure. We know that. Anyone? Yeah. Can. Well, in addition to the fact that uh, I was going to mention, might as well say it now that uh, Bobby Knight was a big uh, supporter for uh, Donald Trump, and actually was uh, did several speeches, so did some stumping for him. Wow. And uh, was very, very as usual vocal in 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 his he did support. that in Indiana, right? Indiana, strictly an Indiana thing. Right. So, uh, well, so that worked out in his favor. Yeah. The other thing I'd say is that uh, you know some of the comments that he's made, he's he's gotten himself in trouble and tried to backtrack a couple times. I think the worst he ever did, and I uh, was when he was being uh, interviewed by uh, Connie Chung for uh, a TV uh, special or maybe a segment, mm -hmm. and he was asked how he handles stress. And he tried to make some sort of analogy between stress and rape. It didn't oh, work. It oh, didn't work at all. Oh my God! Yeah, with a female interviewer too. So the that's, thing, yeah, that's a cue, right? Yeah, and I think you could look it up. And I, my, I would imagine that if he would have done something like that now, that he would be that people would be reviewing and looking at him very hard to see if there's anything else there. Yeah. So uh, that I think that. Uh, Coaches now, uh, Coach Knight would probably be classified as a dinosaur in terms of his uh, the way he uh, worked with the press, mm -hmm. with his way he worked with his players. But I don't think we can deny the fact that he was with he was a very skillful coach who was able to get the best out of his players, and a lot of that was strategy. So was um, he's a good uh, strategician. Uh, yeah, uh, he he did a very good job of of you know he, he felt. That uh, everybody has the desire to win, mm -hmm. but the key was to have the desire to to prepare to, prepare to win. So wow. he he really was strong on preparation, huh. and uh, sort of keeping things to the book, you know, by the rule, and um, that hmm. that was real important to him. Uh, and he also felt that he needed to have his his practices. Um, Private, so he had nobody there, and nobody would be there. And what was kind of one incident I remember reading about was the fact that there was an, an Indiana University Olympic uh, gold, I think it was a gold medal winner that was jogging, and decided he wanted to jog up and down the, the steps or around the gym and all. And yeah, and what he did is here's this guy who's you know like considered a celebrity. He's an Indiana University uh, Olympic uh, participant, yeah. and more than that. And sure enough, Bobby Knight just kicks him right out of the out of the gym. Wow! On a, on a heartbeat. So, yeah, a little rough on the edges, needless to say. But uh, if you take a look at his end results, there's a, there's a lot of good a lot of good performance there, particularly for his teams. Interesting. So, I thought we'd just get started with that a little short segment. Yeah, that's kind of a going good one. That. And really, we're going to parlay that into talking still about coaching. Yeah. Because we're going to be talking about a movie that we just saw called The Hoosiers. Yeah, we were just watching it. Yeah. We got up at uh, 5.20 in the morning so we could watch, is it on Cinemax? Was that it? It was on Cinemax. Yeah. yeah. And boy, it was nice. Good production. Uh, great. You got a great cable service here. This works pretty well. I'll, I'll pitch it. RCN. There you go. <laughs> we're lucky enough 
even I know cable is considered a dinosaur in itself, but we're lucky enough where I live to have two different uh, Oh, you have a choice? Yeah, you have a choice, which oh, helps. That that's keeps, unusual. That is. We have Comcast or RCN, which yeah. uh, I think helps improve the quality as they compete against each other. Yeah, I think that is good. And this movie, uh, we haven't talked ahead of time how we want to do this, but well, we you want to do your take thing, on yeah. it? Well, yeah, I think what we'll My do take? is we can do the plot. Okay. We can then talk a little bit about the players and then talk a little bit about production, reception, as to how okay. it was received. <clears throat> the movie was filmed in 1986 called The Hoosiers, and it has to do with now, a... Isn't it just called Hoosiers? Oh, oh yeah, Hoosiers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Hoosiers, if you're looking it up, Hoosiers. And uh, it has to do with a, <clears throat> a David Goliath story of a, of a basketball, high school basketball team in Indiana, which had a total enrollment. By the way, it's loosely based upon a real high school, which was able to win the state championship back in 1952. By uh, the name of it was Milan, uh, spelled uh, the same. Like in Italy. Yeah, like M-I-L-A-N. Italy. Yeah. Okay. And so what happens is that they hire a new coach to to get them uh, to start, and he's a very controversial figure, somewhat like Bobby Knight in a way, Ooh. with his background. Had trouble with student with a uh, and it was a college altercation with a student with a in public with a with a player. Mm-hmm. And so that got him in trouble. So he decided to kind of uh, well, he get got away, suspended, suspended, and got away from uh, from basketball coaching for about ten years. And then decided to get back in it and starting from the bottom up, went to go to high school basketball. Now, Indiana is the hotbed for high school basketball. Yep. I mean, that it, it's it, it, everybody. You're like in a bubble if you're in a small town, and you're the high school team. Everybody's watching you. And so as a result, uh, little moves as to who plays, who doesn't, mm-hmm. strategy, all these mm-hmm. things are second-guessed by <clears throat> by the citizens of, of the, of the yeah, respective you're, town. you're kind of under a magnifying glass if you're a coach. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And so what happens is that he's able to uh, use his methods, which are a little somewhat unorthodox, to get his team to play and perform very well. And there's a little side, few side stories we can talk about as we look at the characters. Yeah. Yeah, that's the main story. Is is he's there to coach basketball, and he's there because he had a friend who was the principal, and the friend is played by Sheb Woolley, who is one of my favorite very, singers. Very good singer, but probably if you take a look at his uh, resume, did a lot more work as a character actor, particularly yeah. in westerns. Yeah, he did. He's got a great voice for that. But he had that one hit wonder called Purple People Leader, which we oh, he, will. He uh, had a lot more than that, but we won't talk. Well, about that's country that and western. Yeah, but on the yeah. pop scene, I think right. it's it's. Uh, yeah, singing wise, on a country and western scene, he had a long career. Yeah. On the pop scene, we're talking one one hit. Um, so uh, he ends up winning the the state championship, and everybody's uh, happy. So yeah. uh, that's the story. Yeah, but a lot happens getting there. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot happens, and I think we can start by taking a look at some of the the principles uh, that we have. The uh, the Norman Dale, who's the head coach, is played by Gene Hackman. Yeah, uh, does a very good job. I think that uh, I I can't imagine anybody else. Uh, I would say that as I look through the research, quite often I come up with other people that are considered mm-hmm. the only one who really. Uh, sort of a pitch for the job and wanted it was Jack Nicholson. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so Nicholson would have been an interesting take, would have been different. Oh, yeah. Would have been as flamboyant and as host, you know, as, as hysterical as, as uh, Hackman got. But right. uh, I think overall it did very well. 
we have a a, a a female lead that's played by Barbara Hershey, who is a teacher that, as a result of Shep Willie, the principal, getting having a, a mild heart attack, takes over and, and is assistant principal and plays a critical role in the continuation of uh, in one of the trying times when ha- and Gene Hackman might be let go as coach. Uh, she comes to the rescue and at a town meeting. Yes, so that's Bar- key. Barbara Hershey does a pretty good job. I mean, she's yeah. got an Andre kind of a crusty character at the beginning that softens up a bit yeah. at the end. She made the transition well. I yeah, think. and so that's good for me. Though by far the best person in the movie is Dennis Hopper. Oh my God, Dennis Hopper, uh, staggering. Does is a supporting role. He plays. Uh, he 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 plays. The role that quite often these poor kids who, who do well in their high school, they're under the magnifying glass, and they become heroes, and that becomes the highlight of their lives. And that's it. That's all, folks. It's like, you know, what they did in high school, maybe they, they don't do well in college, whatever. Now he's a but, town drunk, and he lives off of squirrels. Yes, he's, uh, so... Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was it was pretty dramatic. It's a great role. And the great thing is, is they, they use him like a seasoning. Not too much, right? Just enough, and they really drive the point home. There's there's a lot of sub themes and overall themes in this movie that you can take away from it. But I think you're right. I think Dennis Hopper has one of the most interesting characters in in the whole thing. I, I have another favorite myself. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just mention a couple sure. more things about Dennis. I, uh, the fact is that he, what I liked about him is the fact that this is Gene Hackman as coach kind of shows a little humanity softness as by and also thinking common about maybe help, common sense trying to help one of the players unfortunately dennis hopper the, the father has a son on the basketball team who's very embarrassed by the uh, alcoholic outbursts that take place many of them during basketball games yep and so gene feels that what he can do is he can make dennis hopper uh his assistant coach and give him some give him some respect and, well, and dignity also- also, he's a great scout. He knows every team, and <laughs> he really knows basketball. He knows very basketball very very well, and he's and he has a way of describing it. You know, that's <laughs> it, that's that's kind of fun. It's 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 got a lot of different you know mannerisms and colloquialisms yeah. he uses in order to it's to kind, kind of, of spice it up. Yeah, it's kind of that Indiana country basketball yeah. jargon, you know. And so he ends up having to dry out, and uh, and he uh, it all works out for him and his son at the end. But it was a it was a tough time. So yeah. perhaps you could enlighten us, Jerry, with your favorite actor. Yeah, well, my favorite actor actually kind of tips my hand as to how I see this movie. Just his background. Uh, although I'm not a great sports fan, I'm a great fan of sports movies. I love sports movies. They are they have simple, straightforward themes. Uh, they have great moral lessons. They have great object lessons. All of it. So that's why I like sports movies. But this one is, among my sports movies, really one of the top two or three. Because this thing is extraordinary. The way I see this movie is, it's about, probably, it's not really about basketball. It's about something else. And it's about redemption. Obviously, Gene Hackman's redemption. It's about Shooter, who Dennis Hopper plays. Yes. It's about his redemption. It's about, you know, relationships, Dennis Hopper's son, you know, getting back together with his father and helping him recover from, from all his antics with alcohol and what have you. And, and also relationships. When Gene Hackman got there at the town, 
I mean, they really did not take to him. He was kind of a Yankee, and, you know, he didn't really fit in. He hadn't coached in 12 years. They didn't know why he was there. And most of them, well, nobody knew about what he had done in Ithaca to his player, except Barbara Hershey. Mm -hmm. So then, as time went on, a great relationship with Barbara Hershey and the sport of basketball. Actually, she hated it when the movie started. She ended up loving it. And, of course, Yes, she did. She liked Norman. Uh, uh, what's his last name? Norman Dale. Dale. Norman Dale. Yeah. So anyway, for me, this movie is is the really the cool thing I think about this movie is the thing you don't really notice as much, and that is religion. The yeah. the role of of religion in this movie is very interesting because one of the players is the son of uh, a tent revival kind of preacher, and he's really hardcore. And he also drives the bus and repaints the bus for the games. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about this is Norman Dale asks, uh, 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 what's his name? Darn it. Uh, the, the, play, or, uh, it's, the player? Uh, the player's name, I forget. Oh. Anyway, it's the preacher's son. He's a great big guy and really sweet guy. Strap, that's his name. So, okay. for some reason, I call him Strap. Strap, he, yeah. Yeah, he's a really neat, nice, sweet guy. And he's extremely religious, but not in a weird kind of way. It's more like in a blissful way, kind of like, yeah. you know, he's really a up, happy, upbeat guy. Like, for instance, he, he will pray in the locker room longer after the prayer said. He just sits, he stands there, he sits there on a knee and stays praying for until almost the bell, oh, the buzzer sounds. So he's really got a lot of that, and he's, he says, well, my dad had a vision. God told him to do this thing with the bus, so he did it. And then he looks at Norman Dale after he says it, and he just, he has this look on his face, right? Yeah. Or he's not embarrassed about it. He's, he doesn't think it's eccentric. He thinks it's really pretty cool, and, and he just goes with it. And there's a game where they're in trouble and all this stuff, and they need to put him in, and he's a terrible shooter. He's not good at all. He's big, though. He's good for blocking and a bunch of other stuff. And he, he tells Norm Dell, tells him, don't shoot, don't shoot, just unless you're right under the basket. Well, he kind of gets this message from God, right, that he's going to save the game, and he does. He makes all yes. these amazing shots. And he, he's a really neat guy. There's an underlying thing about this all through the movie, and then, you know, when they finally make it to the state championships, and there's there's the two preachers there, uh, the, his son, the one whose son is on the team, and then another one, and they're both really good. And uh, it's Strap's dad who gives the David and Goliath uh, verse from the Bible, yes. and it's really, really effective. And you know, the cool thing about that is, is that their thing is, it's, it's not so much about Christianity. It's not about a particular faith or sect. It's about believing that people can have a vision, that people can, can feel something real and can change destinies in a good way, without mm -hmm. any blowback, without hurting anybody. And that's a, I think that's a really great message. And it. And you see this evolution of all the characters. All these forces come together. And at the end yeah. of the movie, everyone's changed. Yeah, I think that's the key, uh, is change. When you look at it, the town has changed in the reception yeah. to to Gene Hackman, uh, the, uh, the coach. And then you've got the change between Gene Hackman and the way he relates to his players. Yes. There's some change. And then obviously there's, there's the change between the players and Gene Hackman. What's the last line of the movie? <clears throat> I'd have to... I love you guys. Oh yeah, I mean and that it's would not be even... hardly something he'd say at the beginning. Oh, not at all. And and he's not even on camera. And it's just they're showing the Hickory Gym, 
and you hear hear his voice that he said earlier in the movie. It was really quite a moment when he said it. It was their, their last game, and you know they had their hands in and they were going to do their thing, and he just said it. It just really hung there. You know, most movie productions have their moments of pressure, anxiety, frustration. Yeah. And this one was directed by a fellow named David uh, Anspach, A-N-S-P-A-U-G-H. And he is from Indiana. I tried to, I looked through his movies, and there's not much there in terms of he's maybe done 20 movies and TV shows. But he knew the, the 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 drum beat. He knew the pulse yeah. of of what needed to be done here in this movie. And this is a man that was on the hot seat throughout the whole movie. And what's amazing is that he said that he thought he was going to go crazy because Gene Hackman and him did not get along. Mm. And so as a result, Hackman's agent was every day on a daily basis trying to get him fired oh my God. from the movie. And the only thing that saved him was that the rushes, the dailies were so good that the studio liked it, and finally they got the agent to look at the rushes and the, and, and and said, yeah, and then they kind of backed, they backed off on off, him. Huh? But uh, he's, he ended up uh, kind of bouncing around a little bit, and I don't know what he's doing for a living now, but he guess where he lives? Bloomington, Indiana. Wow. So he goes back to home, I guess, is the best way of describing it. Yeah, and I have to say something about Gene Hackman. I mean, he was the epitome of a basketball coach. Uh, I've seen him in lots of movies, so have you. And he's always Gene Hackman. He's not like a character actor. Yeah. But what was different about this was he just, you just believed it. I mean, the way he threw the ball to his players, the way he handled himself on the court, the way he blew a whistle. I mean, it was all so authentic, you know. One thing that is authentic about the movie is that the setting the of it was the, uh, the the last game was played in Hinkle Field, which they call, it's called the Butler Fieldhouse, Butler University in, in Indianapolis is where they played the, the mm. state finals. That uh, gym still exists and still used. Wow. And it's actually considered, if I would have to put it, uh, it's considered a mecca. It's, uh, it's If you are sort of like baseball people like to go to Wrigley Field or Fenway Park. Right. Basketball, college basketball people like to go to Hinkle Field or else the Palestra in Philadelphia. Those are the two places. Wow. So it's got a, a storied history. At the time it was constructed in the late uh, 2000s, it was seated 15,000, which was the largest basketball arena of, uh, for the next 20 years wow. in the United States. So that's a, that was a, a good thing with respect to it. Yeah, yeah, very authentic. And and so a lot of the actors who played these basketball players were basketball players. They were. In fact, some of these basketball players were, were college high school players, and they got into some trouble because they were getting paid. So they, That's there right. was a, a concern status. about their amateur status, but that kind of went by the wayside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing that uh, I'd like to mention is that this is based upon loosely based upon a story, and the actual team... I mentioned before, Milan uh, won it back in 1952. What people don't realize from the movie, it looks like this is a, a, a they came out of nowhere. Well, actually, right. they were a very good team two years before, for the two years preceding that. Wow. And they they went to the, the Final Four in the year before that. So it isn't like they were dark horses, uh, a long shots or something. There was an expectation, which wouldn't quite fit into the movie. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't pass the test of dramatic effect. Yeah. yeah. So, well, uh, reality seldom does. Yeah. 
are sometimes a stranger than fiction. Well, that's our next segment. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> now, here's a thing we didn't mention, and it's it, it, it plays a big role in a movie, is the sound, the music. Oh, yeah. The music by is, is real good, and it really keeps the pulse of the mm. movie. It keeps the pace going very, very well. And uh, I was that I'm segueing into uh, awards and recognition. It was nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, there's no specific song; it's just the music in general. It's mostly instrumental. Yeah, yeah. but it, uh, it th- that's very good. Uh, other awards, uh, the one, of course, my favorite actor uh, in the movie, Dennis Hopper, was nominated for a supporting actor in that for his his role as as the shooter. Yeah, he was great. So, critical response, um, I would say we look at Rock Tomatoes, we're talking 88%. It's, well, that's it's, high Yeah, for it's them. very high. So, I mean, this is a movie that was well-received from the get-go. It has passed the test of time to the, the, to the, to the extent that if you look at, like, the American Film Institute surveys, they look at uh, various categories of movies, and it's considered in the top five sports movies. Oh, yeah. And quite often considered uh, the, the, the greatest sports basketball movie ever made uh yeah it's hard to with basketball movies there's been some really good documentaries put mm-hmm. out there that could probably you know be considered as good but when you're looking for just a straight movie yeah this one is 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 hard hard to top yeah it really is and, and i thought the period aspect of it was excellent too and, and the period was 1952 as i recall right yeah and, and you know you and i were, were alive then and and i was a little guy but you were a little older and even as the 50s continued, we saw a lot of those cars and, and trucks, and we lived in a rural community, and that all looked real familiar to me. Yeah, I think the, uh, the farm, just the farm setting was very yeah. good. The, the, the small high school gym setting Perfect. was very good. And then you got the, 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 the cars or tractors or all this, these other yeah. things, town meetings, every setting did seem to be very authentic early early 50s yeah yeah i so, agree totally totally i felt, so like, it's that where was, we, that I felt like it was where we grew up almost yeah it was if it, well it, it was flat though where it, we, we grew up it wasn't yeah. okay so hey we, we got a theme going here as you may have noticed we yeah. talked first about sports and bobby knight then we talked about hoosiers these two have in common not just basketball but the fact that they had coaches or had people who imploded who lost it yeah, and, it was and part Norman, of their personality. Yeah, and it is. Norman Dale in the movie made a comeback and redeemed himself. Bobby Knight, well, you know, not so much. Yeah, he's kind of not so grown much, off but, to the waysides. But we were talking, we are thinking, well, who else do we know that's uh, about to implode? And sure enough, we were thinking our, our great president, Donald Trump, is one of those people who's fixing to implode. And... A lot of people talk about this, but here's the problem. This is one slippery little guy because he uses distraction, uh, all kinds of things constantly to keep people off balance. And uh, it's kind of like trying to catch a salamander. This guy is really slick and he'll pop right out of your hand. So people have been for a while now saying, well, he's not fit to be president, but they're all disorganized. They don't understand enough about how to get this done or even what could cause it and i find that i was in a great deal of turmoil until we did the research for this segment yeah and the, we kind of really 
got the points. Here's the things that well, that are, well, that are know, threats you, to Trump. You can, here's you, what can happen to him. Yeah, here's the th- the threats are one thing, and we can see those out there, and they're nice. It's nice to talk about them to see how they could eventually end up, which is what we're going to do. And understand them, yeah, and to understand the threats. But where do the threats go? You know, you've yeah. got you've got here, you've got threats, and you got a president. We want to get ousted. How yeah. do we get to the ousting of the president is the, is the, is the critical yeah. question. So what we're going to do is kind of talk a little bit about the threats and then finish up with that, that process by which, which we would get rid of the, pres- the president. And there's more than one ways, more than one way that we, this could happen. Yeah, and of course this discussion is pantamount uh, to uh, a sedition. So that's one of the good things about recording it live. The NSA can't pick it up over ringer that we yeah. usually use right so that's right we could fly under the radar on this one so we're gonna let it go we're gonna let it fly that's that's what happens when we have a person doing double duty and he knows all, he knows the inside and the outside <laughs> he's referring uh, to me i think yes i am <laughs> okay so you want to go over the threats first well yeah why don't you you can you can work on the yeah. threats and i'll just kind of jump in okay on them. uh yeah we we have uh got seven high-level threats to President Trump. And uh, I'll find a way to put this somewhere so people can download it. It's a little PDF file. It's no big deal, but, you know, people may want this. If, you, if you're having trouble sleeping at night because you're worried about the country or whatever, you just check a look at this. So, well, the number one thing, and these are not in any particular order. They're just as we thought of them, really. Yes. The first one we have is public opinion. And this is pressure that, that even Donald Trump feels from time to time. And this includes polls, uh, protests and movements, and also the media in general. We, I think we all know he hates the media. He does. And, and yes. the reason he, he hates them is because, you know, they, they tell the truth. And they fact, fact check him and, and catch him when he doesn't tell the truth. And the polls, you know... Uh, I would think he's discouraged by the polls by now, but he's not because he, as long as he has his base, he figures he's okay. But it's still, I, I've noticed recently, there's a couple examples even in the last week where he responded to pressure. For instance, with the the big game hunting uh, thing, he tried right. to, he, well, of course, we all know what his agenda is. Let's just get that out of the way. Undo everything Obama did. So one of those undos is... Uh, hey, you can you can kill an elephant and bring its tusks and head and stuff home, no problem, you know. So he had to undo that this week because of public pressure. Well, so it shows you it works. I got a couple of things to say about the this section on public opinion. Number one, one of the reasons he isn't too concerned about public opinion because he wasn't that popular when he became when he was elected president. <laughs> You're right. You're <laughs> so, absolutely right. The other thing I would say that's happened recently, the the most recent thing. That intrigues me is there's there, there's a, there's a one man band out there doing a TV ad. I don't know if you know twenty yeah. spending twenty million dollars. Uh, yeah, he a, doubled down. He, he spent doubled, ten, then ten, he spent another ten. Ten, yeah, and now he's going to actually do another ten to deal with just the tax bill specifically. Yes, but uh, Tom Steyer, I think his name is yeah, T E Y E R. One of these traders that has made a bundle, and uh, and this is not actually his. First foray into into uh, funding uh, for public opinion. He also has done thrown a lot of money as a Democrat towards uh, PACs and also uh, yeah. specific Democratic candidates. Yeah. So but, I think that's kind of when you look at the public opinion, what's happening now. That and of course we've got the uh, we, we also when we talk about public opinion media, we've got to consider social media. Yeah, like the Me Too campaign. The Me Too campaign is something which he's 
directly affects yeah, you. Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, you could say, yeah, it's got to be direct. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, they're doing A-B comparisons now. You know, uh, well, I saw it on the news just last night. They they show all the shots of the women who Trump uh, harassed and, and assaulted, and then they show all the women that uh, Roy Moore, who I like to call Judge Roy Bean, but he's not. Yeah, but he acts like him. Uh, yeah, that he assaulted. And they just go, well, hey, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. And, of course, Jeez. President Trump has said little or nothing about Roy Moore. But he's pretty vocal about our, our good buddy, Mr. Uh, uh, with, mm, Al Franken. Oh, Al Franken. Mm. Boy, oh, he's in for, deep doo-doo. Yeah, that's a... Sh- that's... Yep. Hey, you know, he messed up. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he's taking his medicine. He's doing pretty good. I mean, in terms of... of how he handled uh, it. How, yeah, I mean, there's no exactly correct way of doing it but uh, it's tough and well the best is Louis C.K. yeah I did it all that stuff everything they said is true <laughs> wow or it's all true that's all he said just three words and you know what as a result he's not going to be on the, the they're not going to bother him that much because there's nothing controversial yeah. he said what, what, how can we respond to that he I mean whatever. he's out of it right he's yeah. hardly on the list anymore yeah. and, and his stuff was you know pretty weird but anyway, so we're moving on. Yeah, what you said was interesting, though, right before that, unless you had something else you want to no, say. No, I said... Okay. So, yeah, you mentioned the guy with the big ads. Uh, that's another category, major category we have called influencers. Oh, and, okay. And these are guys who are capable of throwing their weight around. And really, there's three classes of them. There's the corporations in general. And they can, you know, they can throw their weight around by saying where and how they do business. And you've seen that recently may not know it but there's been a number of corporations who said well we were going to build in north carolina but due to your really crazy bathroom laws for transgendered kids we're out of here this isn't going to fly and you know you saw a lot of that in in groups different groups were doing stuff like that and there's a host of issues where this has happened and then there's also another category of influencers their ceos which is kind of interesting because it, I never thought about this before until I saw all of them resign. They sat on these presidential yeah. committees and or councils or whatever they call them, and they just all one escapade that uh, Trump had. Oh, it was in North Carolina. It was over the KKK and the nationalists, white nationalists. He, they're all out of here. They quit. So you know that's something I wasn't even aware of. But that is a way that CEOs can get a seat at the table and get the influence public policy but then of course also there's what you talked about and that's mega donors or people who just go go out on their own and do a one-man band kind of deal right and but, uh who's the the, the brothers the Koch brothers yeah they they are famous for for you know trying to rig primaries and general elections by just uh, inundating and like a good example is what they're doing right now down down there in alabama they want to get joy uh, roy moore elected oh. so, so what they did was they they did a robo phone phone call thing where they got a, a guy, an actor, somebody to pretend like he's uh, Bernie Bernstein, the Jewish lawyer from uh, Boston, was it? He's from, or New York. I he's can't from, yeah, he's from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. Yeah. Hey, this is a mythical person. Doesn't exist. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, they, he, he's making this robocall, and he says, we're, we're looking for women between the ages of 52 and 57 who may have had any contact with Roy Moore, and if you could please let us know, we're going to offer you five to $7,000. You don't have to testify or appear. We're just going to record whatever you say. And it's, I mean, it's a very sneaky, underhanded way to do this. But that is what they're doing. And people mm. all over Alabama are getting this robocall now. 
And so sure enough, you'll see Roy Moore is rising in the polls. And uh, but Doug, whatever his name is, the poor Democrat, he's uh, holding on. Yeah. It's still tight race. So we have no idea what's going on there. But there's a great example of folks throwing their weight around and the kind of dirty tricks they can do. And so just to buzz through these real quick, I'm going to not to go into that much detail on the rest of them. But here are the other threats to, to Trump. We already said public opinion and uh, influencers. Uh, but there's also Congress, the executive branch, ju the judiciary, uh, the economy in general, and the states. Now, each one of these have all their own pressure points. And again, mm -hmm. I'm not going to go over all, all of them. But the main thing is Congress can limit presidential power. It can limit yes. what he can do. Mostly, they don't want him pressing any buttons that lead to a bomb. So there's an in-between position that could be taken. We may not be able to get rid of him, but we might be able to hand, tie his hands. Yeah, manage him. Yeah, well, uh, I tie his hands. I think it'd be more. Effective. Yeah, I think duct tape would be more effective. Those ropes leave marks, and you know we don't want him disfigured because okay. he has to appear in public. So yeah, there's a, there's definitely uh, several of these things here. So Congress really has has could if they have the political will, and I believe they're developing it. Would you say mm -hmm. so, John? Yes, I think they're developing political will to clip his wings. I think is the way we put it yesterday. The executive branch has some stuff it can do and is doing. Uh, the cabinet military, uh, the intel services, the IRS, all these people are doing all kinds of amazing things, actually. <laughs> I think if we take a look at the, limiting the cabinet, his, it, his it's power. just the mere turnover that we see that happens there is a threat because he leaks. needs to have some stabilities. And it leaks. Yeah, it leaks. Yeah, on purpose. And uh, the military, we've seen that quite often it's not clear as to really how much they're going to listen to them, uh, as you've yeah. pointed out. Yeah, they've, they've, they've definitely refused indirect orders that are on, on Twitter. And uh, even some of the direct orders, like just, just last night, uh, you know, he, he did this whole thing on transgendered uh, people couldn't be in the military. He had to back off of that because all the captains and the people uh, at the troop level said, no way, the, you know, these people have bled with us. No, they're, they're, they're brothers and sisters. They're in here. And so he backed off of that. And then he said, well, we're not going to pay for any surgery. So then <laughs> the surgeon came forward and said, surgery's free. Come on over. And so, you know, the surgeon has performed uh, three uh, vaginoplasties, uh, a reconstruction for sexual reassignment for men to women, transgenders. transgenders. So <laughs> the funny part about this is she, she put the money forward and she paid for it, her, her group. Uh, put it all, did it all, and she's transgendered herself, and so she appeared on TV, and she said, and a person says, well, why should taxpayers be paying for stuff like this? She says, well, it's a recognized medical condition, and then she said, more more than that, she said, uh, I don't think you realize how small this really is. There's only 17 people in the entire U.S. military who have requested it. 17. And so this is a good example of fact-checking. It's, it's, yeah, it's and, part of the military thing that it, yeah. that is providing some push against against Trump. Yeah, because they know the facts, and the guy talking about it on Twitter doesn't. And well, the, the, the judiciary has a big role, too. You know, uh, the all these higher courts have been blocking the immigration stuff. That's in there. We wouldn't have Bob Mueller if it wasn't for the judiciary and the way it Bob. works. Bob. What about Bob. What about Bob? Good one. Good one. Well, he's anything but the Bob and what about Bob? No, the, the, this Bob, Bob Mueller, is, is a, My we've hero. talked before, is a, is a fact-checking plus type of guy who is a, definitely a threat. He's, he's a, he, let's just say that Trump is looking all, all, 
over his shoulder and say, where's Bob? Where's Bob? Where's, where's Bob? Bob? Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to mention is that, and this kind of fits into it, it, it Bob is, is doing a great job of, and we've talked about him already, so we shouldn't talk a lot about him, he's, but the, the information he's collecting and the way he's going about it is a threat to Trump without a doubt. Oh, and, and he's so effective. We're, again, we talked about it, you're right, but he's just, he knows when to hold them, he knows when to fold them. How about foreign influence? Where well, is yeah. that coming from? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, there's this big country called Russia, I guess, that, uh, yeah. you know, he's, he seems to be really pals with pals with Putin. It seems like he's a Putin pal. <laughs> he's a Putin pal. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, but John it, it, showed me this story yesterday. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe he said, "Jerry, we've been doing this all wrong. We have the total wrong understanding about President Trump." And he does this stuff to me all the time. This is called a setup. And so he shows me this article in the Sun Times. Oh God! It's like the bottom line is Trump. Well, what what appeases? What satisfies? What makes him happy? What what, what pushes his buttons? Flattery. His big ego just is just a uh, sponge. Saying, bring it on. Say the please, nicest things about me. Please, please. So I had this idea that what we need to do to kind of get him off base and maybe catch him off guard is is to flatter him so much, kind of kill him with kindness. Well, John, and, you're thinking outside the box now. And yes, and uh, I was, and I had a, t- and I, I was going to call my, my, the campaign would be called Puck, Puck her up for, for the president. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, kiss his kiss ass, ass as much as you can. Pucker up for the president. <laughs> yeah. It's got that uh, pup, 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 pup thing, which is always funny. Yeah, it's got a nice rhythm to it, and hmm. uh, it's just a thought. And I mean, I sometimes read articles in the paper, and all of a sudden my imagination gets carried away, and I think that's what happened. Well, John, I think I'm going to write the song, Pucker <laughs> Up for the President. I don't you agree? It's got a great rhythm. It does. Oh, we'll get it out there. Okay. okay. All right, so, and then one of the things people don't think about much is, uh, everybody knows that the economy is, of course, a pressure point for for uh, Trump, but so far it's been working in his favor. Uh, you know, the numbers actually look better. Yeah, and what's happened here, but the threat lies in the fact that where is the economy going to go when they don't pass the tax bill? Because yes. The uh, the the you know the, the crystal ball guys at Wall Street are, are looking at the fact that we're going to get some punch in terms of uh, financial performance. Yes, from the 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 benefits that Trump is going to provide and the tax bill, yeah. and and let's face it, he's still trying to 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 pass his first bill. He didn't pass health, so now he's working on on and his tax bill. But the crazy thing about <laughs> the tax bill is uh, they did one in the House that passed the House. And, of course, the Senate gets it, and I don't think I've ever run into a more dysfunctional group of people than that Senate, because uh, rather than taking the House bill and doing something with it, they tore it up, and they rewrote their own bill, and they added the repeal of Obamacare into it. Well... That's a flashpoint. I know. It's going to make the process a little bit longer. Uh, what's happening here is that we... That, what, it's going to assure the outcome. Well, it it, it it causes you to go another step, which is, is a compromise bill, which then has to be redone in the House and then done in the Senate. So well, not just they, that, but it's never going to get through the Senate. Well, that bill might not. I mean, I'm just, yeah. just I'm, I'm assuming that it, if it did, even if it did, and that's a big if, obviously. Yeah, it is. They would have to then go through the, you know... Reconciliation, the, they call it? Yeah, the yeah. compromise uh, tax bill would have to be formed. Yeah. yeah, and then it'd have to be signed by the president. But the big thing here is that I think uh, that could have been a good bipartisan bill 
it, because it it uh, it's something everybody's interested in. I think there's a lot of Democrats who would back a good tax reform, but they weren't included. And, and a lot of Republicans weren't included. This was another one of these midnight surprises. And they're trying to act like they're being more open now, but they're they're not really. And they've added all this stuff to it. And I just don't see how they can get it through. Uh, I saw. I thought I saw where 12 senators, at least three days ago, were not going to back it. And now that they've hmm. added health care to it, I think it's made it worse. I don't know why they did that. That's so crazy. You know? Oh, hey, this failed three times. Let's try it again. Uh, yeah, I think it's just an end around that they're trying something a little different. But actually, yeah. quite often, that's the way bills go, is where they go yeah, through this true. compromise uh, uh, route. Yeah, but it's a different environment now. Everybody's hyper aware of everything. Cause, because, partially because of the president. He, he keeps like a big spotlight on everything that goes on in the government. I think usually these guys can fly under the radar, but I don't think they can anymore. There's one more thing I wanted to mention that's near and dear to John's heart, and that is the role of states in pressuring Trump. Local government in general is very important, and I think we see it mostly in the sanctuary cities where uh, this is a big uh, tug-of-war between Trump and the Department of Justice yep. uh, with Jeff Sessions uh, as to what we're going to do in terms of these these dreamers, these, and 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 so that's just a good example. Yeah. But the governors are also kind of working. Uh, you know, they realize that hey, look, if Trump is not going, if they're not getting anything done at the federal level, let's start we'll working it. at the at the state level. And I think we talked about state level uh, last week with opioids. Yeah. We've talked about uh, mayors and the yep. importance they are with FEMA and disaster. And Jerry Brown with the EPA and Climate and climate Accord. When climate right China. now. In fact, I've mentioned several times in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a, a summit of uh, of all the mayors mm-hmm. in, uh, with the, to, to address the Paris Climate Agreement, which, you know, yeah. that, that Trump basically walked away from <laughs> to see that we can maybe get that. Well, he'll be humiliated. I mean, yeah. that's the bottom line here is he's been work, he's been worked around entirely. And, you know, and then there's not to mention the redistricting. Now, the interesting the way the redistricting thing happened and the pressure he's going to feel from this is he did a pretty good job. One thing he did do is he got someone on the Supreme Court, which yep. was kind of amazing when you look at it now. But he did that and he thought, here, I got my guy. Well, it turns out that this whole question of redistricting with along racial and economic lines is illegal. Right. It, it's going to, in other words, as much as the uh, that might be done in terms of legislature and law, it's going to have to run through the courts. It has to be constitutional. Yeah, it has to get, get through the courts. It has to pass the smell test, and it's going to go to the Supreme Court. It's, it's fixing to. And yeah. the thing is, is that this Gorsuch fellow, a lot of people think he's going to he's going to vote against it. Mm. That he's going to agree with, uh, hey, this ain't right, and I, th- I think that's probably the kind of guy he is. I don't think he's Trump's man. And in general, these are lifetime appointments, these Supreme Court guys, and they don't need anyone's friendship or patronage. Yeah. So they can vote their conscience once they get in there, and they do change. You'll find left guys go right, and right guys go left, and middle guys go in both directions. So that those are the those are the threats that he faces right now, and they are formidable and they are real. And if you feel yourself getting lost, just pull out your handy-dandy bro show guide to impeaching. Oh, did I say that out loud? I can't say, I can say that. That's right. We're not on the Well, NSA. we haven't gotten to impeachment yet. Okay. That's John, a, take us there. The well, take, take the fact there. is that we can we can have all these threats. But what what is the end result yeah. here that people are threatening? Why are they doing that? Why is that, 
why is somebody spending $20 million on TV? Yeah. It's to get rid of the president. And they use the word impeach the president. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about several different ways that the president can get ousted. But the more uh, common, uh, familiar one is is impeachment. And this is not a this is a <laughs> difficult process. Number one, we've walk. had two presidents impeached. But you get impeached in the House. And then that's sort of like getting charged. And then you go to trial in the Senate and you get, you know, is he guilty or not guilty? At this point, we've had two presidents have been impeached, but when they got to the Senate, both of those were considered not guilty. That's Andrew Johnson and uh, Bill Clinton. Yeah. So uh, the, the thing is, and, and to show you how <laughs> at this point impeachment is, is a challenge, there have been at least two that I know of uh, uh, articles filed with him to impeach uh, by the House of Representatives. Yes, some of their members. Two whatever. bills. One of them was done when Comey, uh, the whole exercise with firing Comey, and now more more recently, it's been done by a group led by Luis Gutierrez of the of the of Chicago. But let, let's let's talk about the process here. Yeah, I want to that hear process. This. What they're going to have to do at this point, and the reason nobody's making any big deal about it, is they got to go to the judicial. Ju they don't even, they don't go to to the house. They go to the Judiciary Committee. Ah. So those are right now being run. Uh, that That's, you know, that the House is Republican and the, those committees yep. are Republican. So yep. the, the, inf the these threats have to become greater to the extent that we're going to get some bipartisan support for these things in order for them to happen. So you got to go through that. you got to go through the, the committees. So you got to file articles of impeachment. You then... Send it to the Judiciary Committee. Then that committee is going to then present it to Congress, and then Congress has got to vote. And there can be a you know based upon a, a variety of, of, of things that, that you can argue, that you can be impeached for. Then what's going to happen is that if they get through it, then they have to send it to the Senate, and the Senate then has to has to okay it. okay. Yeah. Now here's the interesting yeah. thing about this too is that uh, it, the let's talk about the House first. The House has to have the political will to do it, and you'll know they have it when a Republican is the guy who files this bill. And, wow, and that would be very impressive. It's going to happen because uh, sooner or later they're going to figure out, if they don't get this bill, they're going to go, we're not getting elected in 2018, and the House is the place because they get reelected every two years. Right. So they have to look out for this stuff, and they're going to go, no, this ain't going to happen. And that's why Richard Nixon got what he got, because they went up to him, the House stem, uh, Republicans, and said, look, you're costing us all our jobs, and we don't like it. So we're either going to impeach you or you're going to resign. And I think there's yeah. a talk like that coming up. That could. I mean, because we did mention Nixon, but Nixon, they they started the threat of impeachment. Yeah. And that's what basically got that him to resign. Yeah, the process started. He yeah. said he did it for the good of the country, but we all know he does I'm not give a shit his, about the country. Save his ass. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Mom doesn't like that we swear yeah. on here. You gotta be careful. I know. She, she listens to these damn things now. Oops, I said, said another one, didn't I? Yeah, okay. Oh, at least I didn't say goddamn. Okay, so uh, we, we I think this is good. So that's one way, John. Is there any other way? Now, given all these pressure points and all that stuff, so yeah, we see how that might lead. There is another little... It's to impeachment. Kind of different. What's the other one? Oh, the other one, other than impeachment, mm -hmm. is that, believe it or not, part of the 25th Amendment 
says Article 4 of the 25th Amendment, and most of that amendment has to do with succession. Yeah. But buried within that, and this was, there was a concern about if you have succession, obviously something's happened to make this death, et cetera. So they've looked at it and said, well, wait a minute, we might have something in between. Maybe we'll have a president that has a stroke. Yeah. So if he has a stroke, what do we do? And this is where it came up that, well, maybe it's more than just a stroke. Let's make it a little more general. And, of course, what we could happen is, and maybe you can explain the process, yeah. Jerry, a little bit on how the cabinet can get involved here. Yeah, and, this is this is a fascinating process. And, and part of the reason it came up, too, was uh, when Ronald Reagan was shot, uh, you know, every, they, everybody made a big show about how he'd recovered so quickly and what a great guy and a wonderful fellow and everything. But he was never the same after that. And, you know, the pictures they showed of him, you know, sitting up in bed and stuff, he had... He was still like bleeding and, and barely out of surgery. It was insane. And then you know these three three reptiles ran the government uh, the rest of the time. So it, it's not an ideal scenario. But here's how the wasn't how it Dick works. Cheney president? Yeah, sure. In his own mind, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure he was. <laughs> uh, here, here's the way it works, though. Is it is you said Dick Cheney, vice president, has to. Uh, start this process of Article 4 of the 25th Amendment, the the Vice President has to draft uh, a letter, uh, a document that says the President is not fit to serve. And this right now could be for any number of reasons, but like John said, mostly it's physical stuff. So we're not talking about that so much with our illustrious President right now. They'd be say unfit to serve, uh, dementia, whatever they want to fill in the blank with. It doesn't matter. What matters is two-thirds of the cabinet has to agree with them and sign off on it. Mm. And then after they agree and sign off with it, you know, then it goes to uh, the uh, Speaker of the House, and he has to sign off on it. Then it goes to the President pro tem, okay. but he can't be the President because the President of the Senate is the Vice President, and he's the guy who started this. So it goes to the pro tem. Then let's say all that goes, then it's presented to the President, and he can object. He can appeal. He it. can resist, and then both uh, both side uh, the Congress, meaning Senate and representatives, have to vote two thirds to do it. So mm, it's a, not it's not painless, right? It's you know we we everyone says oh do the twenty fifth it's easier and more straightforward. I don't know. Not with this president, I don't think. No, and you know you're actually dealing with a kind of a cloudy area because we'd be talking. Uh, uh, mental health, which oh. is a little shaky. I mean, it was something. Slippery. Yeah, it, it'd be slippery. I just wish we could have used delusion of grandeur. That that oh, would be so good, man. But that's considered a good thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that so many of the bad things are good things now that we can't use those. But I think in any case, uh, I slept better last night, John, because of this. I thought, well, you know, we might not go to hell in a handbasket after all. And you know, there's a there's something going on here, and I can track it. I guess that's me. Yeah. I have to track things. I like to know where I am and what's going on. I just think that we need to when 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 we hear people use the word impeach, whether it it's we need done, to slap them. I think we, we need to <laughs> we need to understand ourselves that this is a long, lengthy process, and if we impeach a president and then convict him. Uh, in the Senate, that will be unprecedented. It will have never yeah, happened before. Exactly. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, we can't do the force the pressure on him like they did with Nixon. Yeah, yeah. And it's more likely to happen if he were a normal person, but we all know he's not. <laughs> I mean, really. 
Yeah, I mean, he'll I, go down to the last swing probably. Yeah, who knows? So a uh, lot to see. Yeah, there is a lot there, and yeah. and uh, yeah. I think it's it's just nice. You got to hey, keep it relevant. What do you think about that number? Sweet. We're going to come in right at a min- oh. minute. Do you feel good about that? I feel real good. I feel real good about that. So we're going to sign off and say adios. And John? So long. I'll Farewell. talk to you tomorrow. In fact, I'll talk to you after this is over. I'm yeah, we're here. right here. Okay. Have a Later. Good one. Bye-bye. Bye.